Hi there, this is Pastor Wilkie from Sure Foundation. I just wanted to take a second and thank you for listening to our sermon podcast and ask that if you, you enjoy the content that our church puts out for sermon podcasts, if you wouldn't mind subscribing to our podcast as well as rating our, our podcast on whatever uh, podcast service that you, you tend to use. This would help us out and, and help us get our gospel message to more people. Thank you and enjoy the, this week's sermon. The following sermon was preached on the basis of Mark chapter 10, verses 2 to 16. Dear Church, whom God gave himself up for to make holy and blameless so that you can have grace, mercy, and peace. Amen. Why have a sermon about marriage? You heard the introduction to the service. You heard the three readings for today, so you know that's where we're headed. But why? Uh, there's some of you here to whom this, this doesn't currently apply. Maybe, maybe it's something in the future for you, but, but right now it doesn't seem all that practical. Maybe there's even some of you here who, who have never even considered or, or want to get married someday. Maybe there are some of you here who have firsthand experience with marriage, but, but even that talking about that experience drums up uh, bad feelings, drums up some raw emotions. So why talk about it? Well, it sounds like a pretty simple thing to say, but uh, we're all affected by marriage. Whether you're married or not, you know somebody who is married. Whether it's your parents, your friends, your cousins, you know someone who is married, and you are either directly or indirectly affected by someone else's marriage. But that's not the only reason that we should talk about it. In fact, God talks about this in the Bible. In Hebrews chapter 13, he tells us through the writers, writer to the Hebrews that marriage should be honored by all. All means everyone, <laughs> men and women, married and unmarried, young and old. So we're going to talk about it, because God thinks that marriage is important, and because God wants us to talk about it, and he wants our, our views on marriage to be formed by him, and not formed by the world that does not honor marriage. And so we're going to look at God's picture of marriage this morning. But before we do that, we're going to have to say up front that a lot of the things that we're going to say today are going to be countercultural, Because what the world considers normal is not what God's picture of marriage is. And so I'm going to ask you to do two things for me this morning. Number one, as we're talking about God's picture for marriage, don't put up any walls. So sometimes we become defensive about something and we fail to fully listen to what's being said, so don't, don't do that. And number two, if you hear something today that, that convicts you, 
If you hear something today that makes you feel guilty, hold on to that guilt for approximately one minute until you let it go forever when you hear the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Agreed? Good. It's easy for us to understand how a sermon on marriage today might be countercultural. But we'd be reading scripture in a short-sighted way if we didn't recognize that God's picture of marriage was always <laughs> countercultural. It sure was in our gospel lesson for today. You may not have heard in our gospel lesson names like Herod or Philip or Herodias or John the Baptist, but all of these people were key characters in the gospel lesson for today, and they were heavily involved in the question that the Pharisees were asking Jesus. You remember the question they asked? They said, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Seemingly a, a pretty simple question, but believe it or not, it was a pretty loaded question at that time. Jesus happens to be in the region where John the Baptist used to teach and baptize. But John the Baptist was no longer around. John had, had been beheaded by Herod. He had been beheaded, essentially, for, for speaking out against a divorce that, that had happened. Speaking out and speaking the law to Herod and his new wife, Herodias. Herodias, you see, was this woman who was married to a man named Philip, and Philip was Herod's brother. Now, Herodias, for, for really no reason besides she wanted to be with Herod, divorced her husband, Philip, and married Herod. And so John the Baptist spoke the law to Herod and Herodias for this divorce. And they didn't like it a whole lot. Herodias held a grudge against John the Baptist until the opportunity presented itself for her to have him killed. And the Pharisees knew about all of this. And so did Jesus. And so as they asked him this question, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? They're, they're kind of hoping that Jesus is going to answer the same way as John did so that they could lead John or lead Jesus to the same end that John was led to. And so there, there are high stakes for Jesus' answer to this question. There's a lot of scrutiny, perhaps, that would come from what Jesus would say. And so Jesus could have soft-pedaled it a little bit. He could have given an answer that, that was a little, you know, not as direct, maybe a little bit more indirect, maybe a little bit softer. So, so if word got back to Herod and Herodias that, that really nothing would happen to him. But you noticed Jesus' answer. It, it was very direct, Jesus answered honestly and openly uh, to the Pharisees. And in order to tell the Pharisees uh, his answer and to explain to the Pharisees why he's answering the way he is, he takes them back to the perfection of the Garden of Eden. We read it in Genesis chapter 2. So this is day 6 of creation. 
where God instituted marriage as a blessing to his, his people. God had created man from the dust of the earth, and he had breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. But this man, Adam, was alone. There was no one else like him on earth. All of the other animals, they had companions, and Adam saw that as they came by and he named all of them. He saw that they had a companion, but he was alone, and he felt that loneliness. And you saw that God said, it is not good for man to be alone. So God puts Adam into this deep sleep, and he takes a rib from Adam, and from that rib, he creates woman. He creates Eve. Man and woman, Adam and Eve, they were made for each other, and they were the the perfect pair. And so God instituted marriage between one man and one woman, and man, did they appreciate each other. Adam appreciated his wife, Eve, and Eve appreciated her husband, Adam, And we saw that the appreciation flowing out of Adam in beautiful Hebrew poetry as he says, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. In this perfect picture of marriage, God established the family unit. They were bound together for life. And they weren't bound together by by just a piece of paper that they took down to the courthouse. They were bound together before God. They were perfectly committed to each other. And that made this a beautiful marriage and a wonderful blessing for both man and woman. We could talk for a while about what this perfect relationship might have been like in in the Garden of Eden. We We could dream about what that would be like, and talk about all of the wonderful blessings that would come out of a relationship like this. But as Jesus even says this to the, to the Pharisees, the Pharisees can easily recognize that that's not the picture they're seeing in the world around them, and that's not the picture that we see in the world around us. This was a picture of marriage where there was no emotional or physical abuse. There was no unfaithfulness. This was a picture of marriage where there weren't fights over money, in-laws, goals, or, or anything. This was a picture where selfishness didn't undermine a marriage. This was a picture where, where both husband and wife were all in for each other, and they never even had thoughts or an inkling of wanting to leave. This is a picture of a marriage where where husband and wife both loved and respected each other perfectly, where the marriage bond was never broken. That's much different than the picture the Pharisees saw. That's much different than the picture that we see in the world around us. That's much different than the picture that we see in our, our own life. But we long for a marriage like that. And we long for a marriage like that for for the ones that we love, but instead, we see the the brokenness and the pain that sin has brought into a marriage. Jesus sees that brokenness and pain too. And he doesn't leave that unaddressed. 
which makes now as good a time as any to talk about Jesus and the, the Samaritan woman. You might remember this story a little bit. Jesus is traveling from Judea up to Galilee, but he's, he's traveling through Samaria at the time. And he stops to, to get a drink of water at, at Jacob's well, and, they, and the disciples go into town. And Jesus is talking with the Samaritan woman there at the well. And, and this woman was evidence, uh, as good as any, of someone who, whose sin had so ruined the, the concept of, of marriage. Jesus w- would call her out on it eventually and saying that she'd been married five times, and the person that she was now living with wasn't her husband. Now, we're not told anything about those marriages. So, so maybe the, the first one, her husband was abusive, and the second one, her husband left. Maybe the third one, she was unfaithful, and maybe the, the fourth one, she left. We're not told those things, but, but either way, she, she was likely guilty of sin and a victim of someone else's sin in, in both of those scenarios. But do you remember how Jesus addressed that woman. Much like he addressed the Pharisees, he didn't soft-pedal anything. He spoke the, the truth to her. He call, called her out on her, on her sin and her part in those broken marriages. But then what did he do? He pointed her to the Messiah. He pointed her to himself. He was her Savior who came to, to carry the burden of her sin to redeem her from it and to give her forgiveness that is from God. After hearing about God's picture of, of marriage, maybe there's some guilt that, that we feel. Maybe there, there's plenty of convicting moments, whether we're thinking about our, our own marriage right now, whether we're thinking about a past marriage, or, or if you're unmarried, Maybe you're thinking about how you think about or talk about marriage or how you support somebody else in their marriage. No no matter what it is, marriage provides an awesome opportunity for us to know just how much we have failed, but to know how much we need a Savior as well. Yet, It is within this marriage relationship that God chooses to communicate some of the most beautiful gospel words that that we have in in Scripture. Did you catch in Ephesians chapter 5 what he he compared the the relationship between a husband and wife to? He compared that relationship to Christ's relationship to the church. Now, before reading Ephesians chapter 5, we may think that, that Christ would look at the church, us, see the sin that resides here, and file for divorce immediately, wanting nothing to do with, with us because we've rejected him. But what does Ephesians 5 say? It says that he loves us, not with a, a first date butterfly kind of love, but with love that moved him to sacrifice, (laughs) with love that was willing to give himself up for you so that you could be holy by his blood and by his innocent death. This is love that is not self-serving, but it's self-giving. He gave himself up for you so he could present you as his radiant church, holy and blameless, without spot or wrinkle 
or blemish, but blameless in his eyes. And that's what he did. So wherever you have failed, wherever you have sinned, whatever makes you feel guilty, whatever in today's sermon has convicted you, give it to Jesus. He redeemed it. He died for it. And he has presented you as his holy and blameless church through the blood of Jesus Christ. So why talk about marriage? <laughs> well, well, God needs us to talk about it so that we know that we are forgiven for the times that we failed in marriage, for, for the sin that we've brought into our own marriage. He, he needs us to know that we're forgiven for those sins. And he needs us to know just how much our Savior loves us. Also, God isn't done with marriage. Marriage isn't just something that, that was good for Genesis chapter 2, but, but not for today. Yes, yeah, sin will reside in marriage until the day Jesus comes back on, on Judgment Day, but God still intends marriage to be a blessing to his people, to bring companionship and stability to, to the family unit. So as blood-bought children of God, he calls us to, to honor marriage and to value marriage just as highly as he does. And so that could mean different things for you. If you're unmarried right now, maybe that, that's just uh, honoring marriage is, is how you talk about marriage. That you would talk about it as a blessing, even when you're hanging out with your, your friends. That, that you wouldn't talk about marriage as a burden or, or something that, that is antiquated, but as a blessing that comes from, from God. If you're unmarried, maybe, maybe it's helping someone else that is married, supporting them, helping them maintain their marriage relationship. And if you're married, it means bringing that Christ-like love into marriage. It means appreciating your spouse just like Adam appreciated Eve when he said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And living in unity according to God's picture of marriage. And it means bringing Christ's forgiveness into every aspect of your marriage. God values marriage highly, and it's a high calling for, for us and, and a high responsibility. And so whether we're, we're married or, or unmarried, let, let's say a prayer now and ask God to, to bless the, the marriages um, in, in this church and in, in our world, to, to ask God to, to forgive us for, for the times that we've dishonored marriage um, and, and to give him thanks for this blessing. Dear Jesus, we thank you this morning for all the gifts that you give us, especially the gift of marriage. Through this gift, you give us many wonderful blessings, companionship, stability, intimacy, and children. Lord, we confess that we have not always treated marriage like a blessing. In the way we talk about it and how we behave within a marriage, we have sinned. Forgive us, dear Savior. Wash those sins with your blood and make us holy and blameless in you. Create in us a new heart that honors marriage and create in us a new heart that seeks to bring your love in all parts of our marriages. Lord, bless those who desire to be married with a God-fearing spouse and bless the couples that you have brought together in marriage in our congregation. We pray all this in your name, Jesus, and trust that your will will be done. Amen.